This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. I believe this is what, episode 21 already? Wow. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, my name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So yesterday, I um, I scored pretty big at the flea market yesterday. I don't know if uh, anybody out there, we have a we have an Instagram account account for the show now. It's at, uh, nerd, ner- at Nerd Cave Retro, also on Twitter, at Nerd Cave Retro. Um, I put up a picture yesterday. I found a Sega Genesis finally. Yeah, you what you paid what fifteen bucks for 15 it? Fifteen bucks for it. That's amazing. And it came with a uh, a weird Sonic the Hedgehog. It's a, it's got a big uh, sign on it that says "Not for resale." So I think this might have been a like a store copy or um like a what do they call those like a demo? Um, yeah, Genesis or something like that. That must have been in a store somewhere, but um, bought that for 15 bucks. But um, if you count the, uh, I did have to go buy the uh, audio video cables and a new um, AV cable for it. That cost about 24 bucks, which actually I paid more for those than I did the Genesis. Uh, for roughly about $35, I got a Sega Genesis with two controllers and Sonic the Hedgehog. Which, if you add all that up, it's still a, a great deal. Yeah, it's not bad at all. And I, I picked up also, I got, um, uh, what is it, uh, Tailspin for the NES. Perfect condition copy of it with the instruction booklet. Bought that for 8 bucks. And um, the table that I got that at, <clears throat> it's a good thing that these people at the flea market don't take debit cards because I literally would have been broke yesterday (laughs) (laughs) um i there was a table with this with this older guy probably you know in his 60s or whatever and uh, he had this table all laid out and it was nothing but video game stuff like nintendo nintendo 64 super nintendo sega genesis um playstation stuff and i walked up to the table and was just in awe of everything he had. And um, the guy started talking to the guy, and apparently it was all, um, all, all of it was his kids. And um, I guess they must have given it to him to to sell or something like that. But um, he was saying that all they all they kept was their um, their uh, Atari twenty six hundred. That was the only stuff that they kept. Everything else they're getting rid of. But the the bad thing is is uh <clears throat> the dude definitely knew what he had. So this wasn't a situation where somebody was selling things that didn't know, you know, the value of what they had. He definitely did his research on uh, online and on eBay um because it was pretty much eBay prices for everything. Um I did want to buy an inbox copy, a complete inbox of the original gray box Metroid that I wanted to buy, but he wanted 40 bucks for it. And I didn't have $40 on me and I couldn't talk him down. 
I would have paid 30 for it because that's all the cash that I brought with me. Um, but he wouldn't go any, any lower than 40. Uh, and then there was a copy of river city ransom, which is a semi rare game. Uh, it's worth a good bit. If you can find a good copy of it, he had a copy of it and he wanted 20 bucks for it, but it was, it was just the cartridge. There was no, uh, no box or instructions or anything like that. And, um, I was seriously considering getting it, but, um, there was writing all over it and magic marker and uh, the label was uh, sort of faded and um, starting to peel. So if it would have been a better copy of that, I would have gotten it, but I wasn't going to pay $20 for a a pretty much a busted up copy of river city ransom. Um, He did have uh, Yoshi's Island still in the box. Um, Something else he had. Great game. Yeah. Like bubble bobble or something still in the box. Um, and he had, you could tell they had bought some stuff from, uh, like, uh, uh, rental stores because they, they were still in their like rental cases that you used to be able to get back in the day. Um, Mm -hmm. but all of his copies were in great condition. Like all the games they had, the, the tailspin I got was perfect. I cracked it open to clean it. I didn't even need to clean the pins. It was in pristine condition. And um, he had a bunch of Sega Genesis games, and I hope he's there the next time I go because I'm pretty much going to clean him out on the uh, the Genesis <laughs> games because they were all still in their boxes, and they he was only asking like between five and ten bucks for each one. I mean, he had like Jurassic Park and I think Toe Jam and Earl, uh, a bunch of other games that I really wanted, but I I spent all but between the uh, the Sega Genesis and the um, the Nintendo game I bought. You know, that that was pretty much the entirety of the money that I brought with me. But that's still, you know, even though you saw all that stuff, getting the Genesis and Tailspin was still a really successful day. Oh, yeah. And and like I said, everybody that listens to this show knows that I've been interested in getting a Genesis. And uh, as soon as I saw it, you know, I asked the guy, how much do you want for the Genesis? He said uh, 20 bucks. And I was like, uh, it was pretty much one of the first stops I came to um, when I went to the flea market. So I told the guy, it was already like noon, uh, one o'clock, somewhere around there. So I knew if I went and looked around a bit, it would still be there if mm-hmm. nobody had picked it up by then. So I told the guy, I'm going to go look around and um, and see what else I can find. And I'll be back. He said, okay. So I went around and that's, you know, that one of the last tables at the flea market was the guy with the the big gaming table. And that's where I bought um, the tailspin. And then I immediately left that table, walked back up to the front to the guy's table and asked him if he would take 15. And he said yes. And then he uh, when I was about to leave, it only had one controller with it. Um, when I was about to leave, he said, hey, excuse me, can you look at some of this stuff for me? And he had like an egg, like a milk crate full of uh like random you know wires and plugins and stuff and controllers um he had he had a couple of old playstation ones there and i told him i was like well this goes to this to the playstation this is a playstation controller and i saw the genesis controller and i was like well this goes with the genesis can i take this he's like yeah go ahead so i ended up getting two controllers with it as well so that was that was nice that's awesome. That's uh, You always got to enjoy a good day for the flea market. Yeah, it was a very successful day. I knew that morning that I was going to end up getting something good. So I, I really wanted to get over there. And as soon as I, I, w- I was leaving, I was like, man, today was a good day. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. No, I'm I'm glad you had a, a successful day. I, I haven't actually been to a flea market since that one we went to over in Mobile. I just haven't really had a chance to yet. Yeah, but, but you know, I've been playing the um, that's a good the flea NES market. Classic, though. Yeah, well, th- I mean, that's a good flea market that me and you go to in Mobile. But the bad thing is, is they have a lot of resellers there, and they have um, a, a local uh, retro games business that sets up in there, and mm-hmm. they pretty much get there before everybody and buy up stuff to resell it. So. Um, you know, I like to go to the flea market where I live because there aren't any kind of businesses or anything there. It's all people just, you know, trying to sell their, you know, all their crap that they don't want. So you end up getting good buys like the, uh, the Sega Genesis and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, um, so did you give any more thought to, uh, hacking your NES classic? (laughs) There's no way I would risk doing that. <laughs> but you saw that Nintendo put a um, a message in there for the hackers, right? Yeah, no, that was, uh, what was it, something like, um, this you is... know, great care was taken yeah. to, to put this together or something like that, so leave everything in place. Yeah. No, that, that, was, that was actually pretty clever on their part. And I knew somebody was going to do it at some point. But it's one of those things, you know, those things are so incredibly difficult to find. You still can't find them in stores. It's just going to be one of those things where, you know, some random day we'll go out and we'll be like, oh, you know, they're back in stock. Yeah, that's pretty much I figured how it's going to be like the the fervor will die down after a few months and you'll be able to go to any GameStop or Best Buy and just pick one up. Yeah, but so far it's it's been fun. Been playing some uh, some Mario Brothers two. Nice. Uh, I'm at the the final dungeon in the original Legend of Zelda, so I haven't quite beat it yet. I actually got all the heart containers, so I'm trying to beat it 100. percent You know, getting all the items and everything. Um, once I'm done with that, I'll probably I'll probably move on to a game like Star Tropics that you know I haven't ever played before. Yeah, you should. That's a really good game. And speaking of Zelda, the guy at the table, he did have a copy of Zelda, a really nice copy of it, with the, uh, I think it had the map and the instruction book, and he wanted 40. Oh, wow. Yeah, he wanted 40 bucks for it. And I was like, oh, my God. Why why didn't I bring, like, $500 with me today? If it had all of that, I would have probably forked over 40 bucks for it yeah i would have if i'd have had the 40 but he wasn't coming down on any of his prices Um, for that i wouldn't blame him yeah i did knock two dollars off of the of tailspin though uh, he was asking 10 and i asked him if he would take eight yeah well that you know any little bit helps and um sticking on tailspin i didn't even know there was a, a game for that honest um i'll be honest it's um it's not that great. <laughs> I thought it would be good. I'd never played it. And I, I was like you. I never even knew there was a game for it. Um, so I picked it up. And I really picked it up because it had the, uh, the instructions with it as well. And it was such a good copy of it. And I love DuckTales. Um, and I knew that Mickey Mouse Capade is kind of a crap game. But Capcom is one of those companies that, you know, for the NES, they either the games they made were either really good or they were really crap. So you had a 50-50 chance of getting, you know, a legendarily awesome game or legendarily bad game, like equally. So mm-hmm. it's definitely falls in the category of one of the bad games. 
I will say for the the cartoon though, Tailspin had one of the catchier theme songs. You know, that was I out there. I still go back and listen to that theme song on YouTube when I'm feeling down. <laughs> tailspin, oh we oh, tailspin. tailspin. Friends for life through so thick good. and thin with another tailspin. It's just so happy. It's so happy. It, it's ugh, I love it. All those theme songs were so good. You had, uh, yeah. you had Tailspin, Rescue Rangers, Goof Troop. My favorite was probably Darkwing Duck. Yeah, that that was probably. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say it's better than Ducktales. I like it as equal. Oh yeah, the, equally Ducktales as Ducktales too. because Ducktales is just that whole show. I've got the uh, season one and two DVD sets, and uh, that's what my wife got me for my birthday last year, and they're excellent. They they still hold up. They really mm-hmm. do. They're actually bringing the the show back this summer. I know. I can't wait. And David Tennant is the voice of Scrooge McDuck. I know. That's so awesome. <laughs> I know. Did you see the video of them like singing the theme song? Yes, I did. Like all oh, the whole cast. It, it <laughs> was awesome. It's fantastic. But um, actually, this week for our um, retro news, we're actually going to talk about modern gaming, actually. Um, but it falls into really what we love, Nintendo. So we're going to talk about the Nintendo Switch. So I'm going to kind of let you start us off with this one. So this past, uh, was it Tuesday? Yeah. Okay, this past Tuesday at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, the higher-ups at Nintendo decided to grace us with some more information on the Nintendo Switch. And this uh, this conference was met with a little bit of controversy, as most things are with yeah. Nintendo these days. <clears throat> now, I will say, <clears throat> to kind of start from the beginning, I'm glad they came right out and answered the two biggest questions. When is this thing coming out, and how much is it going to cost? It came, it's going to come out on March 3rd, which is about a month and a half away, and it will be $299.99, which is exactly what I expected it to be. And what's funny is I was watching this conference on Facebook, and so many people were bitching about it. And they were <laughs> like, oh, $299 is too expensive, <clears throat> and oh, I'm not getting this because it's Nintendo. And I'm like, you're kind of a dumbass yeah, that's pretty much standard for these days i mean we talked about this before uh i was expecting this to be between 250 and 300 that that was a given yeah no it's it's exactly what i expected and you know from there they went on and showed a little bit of the the concept of the the console and showed the the contents of it so the console itself is actually the tablet like it's basically like an ipad in a way yeah and then you have the docking station you have the controllers which are called joy cons they're kind of like the wii nunchucks but a little bit smaller and to me they they look better they have the joy con grip which you can attach the joy con controllers to and it plays like a traditional controller and then it comes with you know your cables and all that fun stuff now, my first issue with this this conference, because I'm not a fan of multiple versions of a console coming out at the same time, and they showed off the neon red and blue Joy-Cons. Mm-hmm. So one version comes with the gray, 
and one version comes with the red and blue. Me being as OCD as I am (laughs) with this kind of stuff, I just seeing the red and blue on the the gray controller it just bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, I don't understand why they didn't I would have thought that because of the kind of the whole retro like revolution we're in right now why they didn't they didn't go with a uh, original Nintendo color scheme. I would have It would have been great. It would have been absolutely great. And, and from from there, they announced, you know, a, a few of the launch games. Uh, it actually has on this link that you sent me. Yeah. This is the full lineup for Nintendo Switch on March 3rd. We have 1-2-Switch, which is kind of a, a game that shows off the Joy-Cons. You know, they showed the, the promo that has the... Um, it's just a tech demo, basically. Yeah. Yes. Um, you have Just Dance 2017, Skylanders Imagination, Super Bomberman R, and the one that everyone was concerned about, mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And there's no way that you couldn't not have that game at launch, which I, I knew when they announced the Mario game, which we'll get into in a second, when they said that game was coming out at Christmas, I said to myself, Zelda has got to be a launch title. Yeah. Now, what did you think of, because the, the Zelda trailer was the last thing that they showed, and they, they showed a little bit more different shots of the environment and possibly delved into the story a little bit. What did you think of the, the new Zelda trailer? Dude, I was sold from the first trailer. <laughs> no, I mean, same here. And they didn't even really need to show me anything else. As soon as I, as they, when did that come out? Like six months ago? five six months ago that that came out as soon as i saw that i knew i i was gonna get um whatever the new nintendo console was plus this game and i am gonna get i will get the switch but more than likely i will not pick it up until christmas um simply because i'm not the type of person i never have been to get a console at launch i've never ever bought a console at launch um, I'm always kind of a six months to a year in kind of person because I like to wait and for the bugs to get worked out. <laughs> and we are definitely in an era of gaming where <clears throat> we already know this thing's going to have bugs. I mean, look, you look at the Xbox and the PlayStations, they always have bugs that first run. Mm-hmm. So I always wait. Which is understandable. And Something, uh, the other big issue that I had with this conference is that they gave nothing, no info about pre-orders. They didn't say anything at all. And then afterwards on Facebook, I read, oh, pre-orders are now open on like Amazon, Walmart, Target, GameStop, all these places. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see it until that morning. And it's already sold out everywhere. But funny story, I was following a conversation that Zach, my co-host on the Nerd Cave podcast, was having with another guy on one of our pages, and he actually made the comment, more pre-orders are available on Amazon, and I saw it as soon as he posted it. So I went to Amazon, and I was able to get one. Wow, awesome. And as soon as I bought it, I went back and refreshed the page, and they were sold out again. Wow. 
<laughs> so I was able to get my hands on one, and it, and it will be delivered to my apartment the day that it comes out. That's fantastic. Good, good for you, man. Now I just have to find the master edition of Breath of the Wild, which <laughs> I, I found out because I went to GameStop because I, I live like two blocks from our mall that we have here in town. And I went to GameStop and they uh, they said that Nintendo was not giving any pre-orders for that edition to any retailers. Hmm. So it's pretty much you have to go there and, you know, just hope for the best. So what um, I, I was looking at this and I was reading about this earlier because um, I didn't really give it much attention when they were talking about it. Um, what do you think about the online services uh, for the Switch? Uh, this thing is going to have to be online. Uh, and, you know, and it says something about um, Switch owners will be asked to pay a fee in order to pay online, as is the case with PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold. Uh, Nintendo is making the online subscription fee more worth it by providing gamers with one free game every month. But here's the catch. The free game is only playable for that month. It doesn't stay in your library like um, PlayStation 4 games do or Xbox Live. It You can only play it for a month, and then next month you get something else. What do you think about that? I think that's kind of shitty. Yeah, I hope that's something that they go back and change. Because that, that's, that's messed up. But it does say that um, on here... That uh, Nintendo, the NES, and the SNES games uh, being part of the lineup, but the games will apparently be enhanced to support online multiplayer. Nintendo's plans for classic games in general are unknown at this point, but news on Switch's virtual console functionality is expected to come before the console launches on March 3rd. Uh, and this comes to us from GameRant.com. That's where I'm reading most of this information. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting, and that's also kind of leads into another complaint that a lot of people have had, and that was that the switch the switch presentation they did reveal a good bit, but they kept revealing more after the presentation. Like they almost released more details afterwards than yeah. they did during the actual event itself. That's so weird. Nintendo does things so oddly. They do. It's I don't understand it. It's like they we've said it before. It's like they still live in the 80s and 90s. Hmm. So um, let's see. And also, as far as, um, you know, Super Mario Odyssey is going to be out later this year. Here are some of the games that are going to be coming out in 2017. Uh, Arms, Disc GF5 Complete, Dragon Ball, Xenoverse 2, Fast RMX, FIFA, Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, see, uh, blah, blah, blah. Sonic Mania, Splatoon 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Siberia 3, Elder Scrolls 5, Skyrim, uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2, The Final Challengers. How many damn versions of, of Street Fighter 2 have there been since 1993? Too many. <laughs> and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. I've never heard of that one, but um, looks like there's a, a good bit of games coming out this year. Um, and the thing I'm excited the most about is Nintendo is finally, finally getting on board with third party, um, publishers. Mm -hmm. 
I, I will say for Skyrim, I feel like that was a game that they should have had for launch. Yeah. Because yeah, it is an older it. game. It's been out for a couple of years now. Yeah, this game's been out since, what, like 2010? Why, Something like that. Yeah, why is it not a launch title? Because I'll be honest, it, if I was to buy this thing at launch, if I couldn't get my hands on a copy of Zelda, because you know it's going to be sold out for like the first six months, I mean, Skyrim is your, your next best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that they didn't announce was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And it's basically a slightly improved version of the Wii U Mario Kart game, which is still a lot of fun. But I feel like they could have also announced that because it comes out yeah. April 28th, which is just over a month after the Switch launches. Which I have no problem with it coming out after the launch because they've done that with other big games like with the GameCube. Super, uh, Super Smash Brothers didn't come out until a month after the actual console itself did. Uh, but there are some games that I, I'm really excited to play. Um, Zelda, obviously. Sonic Mania, which looks and plays like the old Sonic Genesis games. Splatoon was a very underrated game for the Wii U. It was kind of Nintendo's answer to Halo and Call of Duty. Yeah. It's a shooter. It's a third-person shooter, but it deals with paintball instead of uh, instead of guns. But it's actually really addicting. I played so much of that game when it first came out. Yeah, I, I, that might be something I might pick up when I finally do get uh, get my Nintendo Switch, which will be later this year. Um, I'm excited for it. I think Nintendo has finally course corrected themselves into. Um, Keeping up with the Joneses, basically, with uh, PlayStation and, and um, Microsoft. I think they're th that this console, if if they don't screw it up, which Nintendo does have a way of getting you know in their own way, um, if they can pull this off, I think this is going to be a, a high-number-selling console, and it's going to keep a lot of people happy, especially if there's a lot of third-party uh, properties coming out for this thing. I hope so, and I will say I'm a little more pessimistic now that the presentation has happened because I've seen a lot of people that have said they're now not going to get it at launch because, yeah. one, they've been burned too many times by Nintendo, two, the lack of good launch games. A lot of people are also upset about the battery life of the actual tablet because something they were kind of vague on they said depending on the game, the battery power would last anywhere between two and a half to six hours. Two and a half hours is not a lot of time. Yeah, but to me, that a person like me, that's not going to really matter to me all that much because I'm not going to be taking this thing on the road or, you know, I don't really take a lot of trips or do things like that. This thing's mainly going to be a console in my home and it's pretty mm -hmm. much going to be constantly plugged up. So that's not really. For me, that that I, that doesn't really matter. That's understandable, but you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the Switch. I, I liked a lot of things that I saw. I felt like the overall presentation it it could have been better. You know, I wish they would have been a little more detailed with some things and also announced more games. Like I I wish they had one other really good launch game. Yeah. And I think that would make that would have made a lot of people happy. 
Well, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like everybody has a feeling of this thing, like kind of like the way they thought of the Wii right when they announced the Wii, everybody was kind of like, what the hell is this thing? You know, but I, I think they're going down a right track. I think this is going to be one of the successful consoles for Nintendo. I really hope so. I but, really do. It's going to be an interesting story to follow over the next couple of months. And yeah. you know, on this show, I'll, I'll definitely give a, I'll definitely give a review. Cause I think, let me check the date of March real quick. Yeah. It comes out on a Friday. So my first impressions of it will be on the show. Fantastic. I'm, I'm ready to hear what you have to say about it because whether or not you say it's worth it may be the tipping point for me to get one even sooner than Christmas. If you can pry me away from Zelda, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give my, my thoughts on it. But on that note, let's go ahead and move on to this month in video game history. On January 29th in 1996, Duke Nukem 3D was released for PC by 3D Realms GD, GT Interactive, a genre-redefining title for first-person shooters. I never really got into Duke Nukem games. I don't know about you. No, I didn't either. Um, I know a lot of the quotes are hilarious. A, a lot of... Uh, I know a few friends who were like really big into Duke Nukem, and uh, my uncle, who actually introduced me to a lot of the the fandoms that I still follow today. I remember going over to his house after school and he would be playing games like Duke Nukem and Doom on PC. Yeah. So I, I I saw a little bit of Duke Nukem. I never actually really played it that much or really at all, but you know, it definitely has its its niche audience. Yeah. It the some of the quotes he uses kind of reminds me of uh Roddy Piper's character and they live. Well, they're definitely ripped off from him, that line, those lines, and from uh, Ash from the Evil Dead yes. movie. So he's just kind of an amalgamation of a couple of the different characters like that. Oh, absolutely. In 1997, on January 31st, Final Fantasy VII was released for the PlayStation 1. I've never played a Final Fantasy game. I know this is probably the most iconic game in that entire series. Uh, have you played a Final Fantasy game? Never. I tried to play one for the PlayStation 1. It might have actually been this game, because uh, I remember my roommate at the time had a PlayStation 1 and a PlayStation 2, and uh, he had a couple of different Final Fantasy titles. I tried to play one, one of them, and I think I got maybe an hour in, and I was just like, no, not interested. Yeah, the series has never really been for me. I know they're doing a remastered Final Fantasy VII, and that one I I might give it a shot. But Final Fantasy is going to be you know one of those series that you know, just kind of I just kind of don't acknowledge really. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, January twenty first, nineteen ninety nine, Super Smash Brothers was released for the N sixty four. I've never played a Super Smash Brothers game. Have you? Really? I never I Oh man, I never love these games. One. They're so so good. When when we're finished with this episode, you should look up the original Super Smash Brothers commercial for the first game. It it has a giant Mario, Donkey Kong, Pikachu and someone else who I can't remember, but they're all like 
dancing in a field and that song so happy together is playing I remember that commercial yeah and then one of the characters trips another and they all just start <laughs> yeah. beating the shit out of each other <laughs> i remember that commercial as soon as you said them walking through a field was so happy together it immediately popped in my head i remember that commercial like it was yesterday now i have tested many a friendship through super smash brothers <laughs> like i i've I've loved this series since the beginning. Um, I think Melee for the GameCube is still my favorite, but you know the original Super Smash Brothers is a lot of fun to play too because it, it's the game that started it all, and it, it's such an easy concept. You know, it's iconic video game characters fighting each other. Yeah. Well, my next purchase is if I can find them, I really want to get my hands on a Nintendo sixty four. Uh, and a uh, GameCube, which I could kick myself because I had a GameCube and I had a bunch mm -hmm. of games for it because that was one of my favorite consoles. And then I traded it at GameStop for something and I don't remember what I traded it for. And I could kick myself because I wish I still had that GameCube. Luckily, the GameCube was one of those few older systems that I actually kept because I, I had gotten rid of my SNES and Nintendo 64, which, you know, since then I have been able to get. Um, but you know, the GameCube I kept uh, along with most of my games. The one that I could kick myself for not keeping or not getting back was Pikmin 2. It was a game that I loved. Uh, if anybody has never played the Pikmin games, I would highly recommend them. They're very addicting and very fun. Uh, but Pikmin 2 is one of those games that you, you'll you be lucky if you could find it for less than 80 bucks. Wow. <laughs> because that's how rare it is. And I had a copy, and I let a friend borrow the disc, and I never got it back. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was mildly upsetting. Yeah, I had a Nintendo 64 as well, and I'll be honest, I have no idea what happened to it. No idea. Oh, the N64 a... was great. It's oh, I loved it. it. It might be my second favorite gaming system because I I love playing you know Mario 64, the original Rogue Squadron, Shadows oh, of the yeah. Empire, Super Smash Brothers. So many fun games, Paper Mario, so many fun games for the N64. Man, I loved Shadows of the Empire so much. I loved that game. That was, I was actually thinking, you know, before we unfortunately lost Carrie Fisher, I wish they would have done like a Clone Wars or Rebel-style animated version of Shadows of the Empire. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Because it's still considered canon, isn't it? I'm not sure, but that is probably my favorite extended universe story of all time because it takes place in that crucial period between episodes five and six. You get yeah. to see Boba Fett be a badass. Yeah, you get you get to see a little bit more of the relationship between Vader and Palpatine, an underrated character in Dash Rendar. Yeah, I mean it might be canon because in I the special so. edition of A New Hope when the speeder gets to most Eisley and they mm -hmm. pull out and show a wide shot, you actually see dash Rendar's ship fly out of most Eisley. Not only that, but, um, they were mentioning black sun and rebels. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a character who, uh, worked for black sun. So I'm thinking, I hope that shadows of the empire is still canon. Oh, that would be amazing.
Ah, oh, so good. But great story, great story. Uh, moving away from Star Wars, let's move on to another star franchise. Well, well, before we get to that, oh, I do yeah. have to remind the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast that Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. That's a lot of books. Yeah, it is. It's more books that I could listen to in my entire lifetime <laughs> twice over. They have you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Divergent, Percy Jackson, so many great series and individual books as well. And to download your free audiobook today, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download today. Fantastic. And like I said, we're moving on from Star Wars to another star franchise. We're going to be talking about Star Fox. because it's so awesome. If that music doesn't get you <laughs> pumped up, then you don't have blood running through your veins. We're going to be talking about Star Fox, one of, in my opinion, the most underrated video game franchises of all time. Star Fox was released as Starwing in Europe. It is a rail shooter video game developed and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, the SNES, if you will. The first game in the Star Fox series was released in Japan on February 21st, 1993, and in, in North America on March 26, 1993. And this was kind of a, a revolutionary game for its time because it was the first game to use polygonal graphics and had kind of that 3D feel to it. Um, it used what was called the Super FX Graphics Accelerator coprocessor-powered uh, GSU-1. Hopefully I'm reading that correctly. Um, this game was e extremely difficult one of those games that, you know, I'm surprised that I still have hair because <laughs> I I threw my controller a few times yeah. for this game. It is, yeah. like, scary hard, stupid hard. <laughs> well, the thing about this game is, you know, you go back and look at it now, and it's it's not it doesn't look that great. It's actually kind of ugly. Yeah. Um, but at the time... Nobody had seen anything like this before, especially on a, a home console. Um, it, it is kind of rough to look at these days, but at the time, this was groundbreaking. And everybody I knew had to play this game. We're just like, have you seen this game? It's so awesome. And and we all just like were in awe of this game for like months when this game came out. And without this game, we wouldn't have the leap to, you know, 3D graphics, which were, you know, Nintendo 64, the PlayStation, the, the basically the games that we have now, this 
this was the the paradigm shift it was this game right here the cool thing about this game too was that it had surprisingly good replay value because you know you start at corneria and you always end at venom but you can take so many different combinations of routes to go to and explore different planets that you can go through it multiple times and still not have done every combination. And what's crazy is it actually has an easy, normal, and hard difficulty. <clears throat> I can't imagine playing it on hard. No. <laughs> no uh, way. But just to tell everyone a little bit about the plot of the game, this game takes place in a fictional solar system called the Lilat system, which is inhabited by human-like animal races like foxes, frogs, dogs, birds, rabbits, apes, etc., it contains the planets Corneria and Venom, representing good and evil, respectively. One can visit many other planets, asteroid belts, space stations, etc., while going through the course of the game. Which path the player chooses affects what places they will encounter. For the story, Andros, a scientist, has fled to planet Venom after being banished from planet Corneria and has now declared war on Corneria and unleashed an enormous army to wreak havoc on the Lilat system. General Pepper, the commanding officer of Corneria's defense force, has, has decided to dispatch a prototype high-performance fighter aircraft called the Star Fox Voyager. However, lacking in time to train pilots for the new fighters, he summons the elite mercenary team Star Fox to defeat Andros. Fox McCloud, the leader of the team, is accompanied by his teammates Falco Lombardi, Peppy Hare, and Slippy Toad. Do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. One of the most <laughs> iconic video game lines ever, which I, I think that was 64 when they first said that. But even yeah. going back and playing the original, I'm like, do a barrel roll. <laughs> it's it's so, so good. And I still remember you do the barrel rolls by hitting the uh, the bumpers, right? Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I probably could jump in and just start playing it right now. Yeah, I haven't played this one in a long, long, long time. This uh, the reason why I say this is one of the more underrated video game franchises is that I think it it has a deceptively good story to it. You've got the the classic redemption story of the son wanting to avenge the father and, you know, kind of taking his father's place as the head of uh, the Star Fox team because it. I think in 64, it delves a lot more into the backstory where Fox's dad, James McCloud, is actually the head of the Star Fox team, the original team, with him, Peppy Hare, and another pilot named Pigma. And then Pigma turns on Peppy and James. And James gets captured, Peppy flees, and then years later, uh, James's son, Fox, takes over the team. So it's got a really good story to it. You know, it has the the cool dialogue in the SNES version. There's just the little noises when, you know, Peppy's face will pop up and Slippy, so on and so forth. Let me see if so this is the actual clip here. Oop, I've got it. Do a barrel roll! Yes. <laughs> Play one time. Do a barrel roll! Man, that just takes me back. <laughs> uh, another thing that gets the blood pumping. Oh, I know. Now, I've got to ask you this. Did you ever beat this game? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I didn't either. <laughs> no, this like, you, you're you right, though. This is probably one of the hardest games 
it, it's up there with like Ninja Gaiden hard. It's one of those games I could never finish. Um, and I, I had a copy of it. I had this game when I was a kid. I don't know what happened to it. I wish I still did because I would still play this to this day. Um, it, you know, it does look a little rough these days because we're so far advanced from these type of graphics now. And when you made that move from, you know, the 2D um, side scrolling stuff that, you know, they were doing on the Super Nintendo, which like you look back at games like, you know, Super Mario World and Met uh, Super Metroid and Super Castlevania, the graphics were so great and detailed but then when you move to polygonal graphics like this everything's kind of flat and just you know geometric shapes and stuff like that um it doesn't have any sort of detail to it but you could still have so much fun going back and playing this because this is the start of everything that came after i mean this is probably one of the most influential games of the 90s to, to move us into 3D gaming. The graphics, I can kind of compare to if you were taking like a 3D design class. Yeah. It would be like a prototype of something that you would make. Yeah. Now, kind of going on to, you know, the other series in general, uh, or the other installments, I should say, some of the games kind of repeat themselves because with... You know, Star Fox 64 is kind of the same thing. You go from Corneria to Venom. But 64, I think, took everything that was great about Star Fox and just made it so much better because that game is, like, top five in 64 game, possibly top three, like, right on the verge of it. Like, well, it's, it's that good. And the, and the series, and I, I kind of teased this last week, if Nintendo would actually allow studios to make movies or series, Star Fox would make a great Pixar-style type movie. Oh, yeah. Easily. You've got the story there. It can appeal to both adults and kids. It can appeal to adults because of the story and just the nostalgia with it being Star Fox and the kids because it's talking animals that are flying spaceships. Well, they did make a movie earlier this year... Um, which I just saw on Netflix, and I forgot that he, it was even made, was they did a movie for Ratchet and Clank. If they can make a movie for Ratchet and Clank, they could definitely get away with making a, an animated Star Fox movie. Oh, absolutely. As far as where I would rank this game, now I've never beat it, so I can't give it a perfect 10, but... For as influential as it was, and because it was the start of, you know, a really good franchise, in my opinion, um, I'd probably give it, um, I'd say probably a solid eight, leaning maybe a little towards an eight and a half. Yeah, I would give it that because, like, just off of influence alone, being as influential as this game was at the time, because this was a big deal when this, I remember when this game came out, this game was a huge deal for gamers because it just it was something we hadn't seen before on especially on home consoles i mean you could see this type of stuff on you know at the arcade but the home consoles could never quite emulate that arcade experience this was the first game that did that oh for sure for sure yeah it, it very much reminds me of a 
uh, an arcade shooter that you would play in, you know, an arcade in the nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah. So definitely. So definitely, definitely check this game out. Um, like I said, it's extremely difficult, but play it and just think about, you know, the time back then and how influential it was. Cause we, no one had ever seen anything like this before, as far as 3d polygonal graphics on a home console. Yeah. Cause I mean, you so, go from 2d side scrollers to, uh, and top down, uh, stuff like Zelda to this. And it was just mind blowing. No, definitely check it out. I, I love star Fox. And it says on here too, uh, a sequel titled Star Fox 2 was developed but never released for the Super NES, although programmer Dylan Cuthbert says that the game was actually completely finished. Um, some of the ideas and gameplay were salvaged for 1997 Star Fox 64. Uh, eventually, a handful of ROM dumps of Star Fox 2 at various stages of its development were leaked onto the internet, and a fan-made translation of Star Fox 2 from Japanese to English was developed was uh, released in the form of a patch that could be applied to one of the ROM dumps. Yeah, I remember following that in the old uh, Nintendo Power magazine, and they even did a little feature on it. Yeah, and then it just it just never came out. Hmm. And I, I know one of the concepts that they got from this game was the Star Wolf team that was the the rivals of Star Fox. I mean, they were basically like an evil version of Star Fox. <laughs> so, you know, having those characters to kind of uh, bounce off the Star Fox team, you know, it, it kind of gave them a, an evil mirror of themselves. So I, I would I would love to actually play Star Fox 2 just, just for the nostalgia purpose of it. And... You know, just knowing that this should be one of those games that should come out, you know, years later, because we've been talking about games that are still being developed for these old consoles. They should release this game for the heck of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, why not? There are still so many people out there that have a Super Nintendo. Why not just release it as a new Super Nintendo release? Yeah, exactly. I mean, do it for the I retro people. I mean, there, there's a whole market out there for retro gamers. I mean appeal to those gamers absolutely and it's not like it would cost that much i mean how much can those carts cost to 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 make it can't be that much no uh we can dream yeah <laughs> maybe one day but i guess that's going to bring us to the end of the episode um next week let me take a look at the page um what was i going to do next week i can either do I'm going to let you decide, Derek, because I was thinking well, that's, of that's pretty dangerous. I was thinking of doing something that um, I don't like since I've done a couple in a row that I do like. I was thinking of doing either Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure or Double Dragon. Hmm. I'm very curious about Bill and Ted. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and tell you at this point, I've tried to play it over the past couple of weeks. That game is unplayable. Why don't we do this since you're going to do next week, you're going to do a game that you don't like. Why not the following week? I will also do a game that I don't like. All so right. the next two episodes will be games that we hate. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. 
But no, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. I felt like this was uh, this was really good. Love talking about the Switch, uh, reviewing Star Fox, old video games, all all that fun stuff. Yeah, and, and hopefully there'll be some more um, some more news coming out about the Switch because it seems like there's every couple of hours there's something new comes out about it. So I think we'll probably have a little more to talk about next week. Oh, for sure. But uh, is there anything you wanted to plug before we get out of here? Um, something you'll actually, uh, get a kick at a kick out of, um, I remember back in the day when you did, uh, the broke nerd cast mm-hmm. with your PCP co-host Wally, you guys interviewed a guy from the Raiders of the Lost Ark fan film. Yeah. It was uh Chris Trumpolis. I was able to interview him and the other guy, Eric Zala I saw for, that. for my show. And that will be coming out, uh, this Tuesday. I know. I've been have, looking forward to hearing that. They have a that. really, really good story. Oh yeah. It, um. Actually, we could plug that. If a uh, few people haven't seen it, it's on. Um. It's on Netflix right now. It's called Raiders, uh, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. And this was a movie that was a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark that these guys did, um, when they were just kids. And it took them from 1982, I think, to 89 to to complete it. And the funny thing is, is um, I these guys made it right here in my neck of the woods, my hometown, and uh, I know these guys, so they're they're good dudes. And um, yeah, go check that out, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's funny because I mentioned that you know I'm from pretty much just right down the road mm-hmm. uh, in Pensacola, and they were like, "Oh, this is a small world." Yeah, but no, they're they're both really really good guys. It's weird because I knew Chris's mom before I knew him, and I didn't know that she was his mom, even though I knew about the whole Raiders thing that went on, and uh, I knew his mom, and then like I met him, and then like the whole Raiders uh, documentary thing happened, and they did their Kickstarter, and I was like. I did not know that that was your mom. <laughs> it was weird. It's like small world. It's crazy how that happens. But uh, but yeah, go check that out and uh, definitely listen to Derek's episode. I can't wait for it. I'm going to listen to it when it comes out. Uh, oops, oops, I hit the you- wrong button. Sorry about that. <laughs> I meant to hit the music. Um, but if you would like to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And we're, we can find us also individually at, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And uh, I'm also in the middle of making our own website. And um, it's not up yet, but. I will have that ready within the next week or two. And uh, don't forget, go uh, go help us pay for the show by uh, going to Audible, audible.com or audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. And go ahead and tell them what it's about, Derek. Do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. 